Today's feature comes from my lifetime failure to raise as much as a tomato from a grow bag. How do commercial growers know what to do? Is there a recipe or is there some science to it? You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. I visited Delta T, a firm not far from Cambridge. Delta T makes sensors for scientists who want to understand about soils and plants. The weather stations and probes help growers make good decisions. Earlier in the week, I spoke with their international manager, Tony Pelot. Listen as he tells us about what the firm does. We're a, a workers' cooperative. We've been in business 40 years on this site. We specialise in making scientific instrumentation for environmental research, agronomy, solar radiation studies, data logging for industry and for scientific research. So, principally, research. Okay, so your customer might, might be somebody in a university? Of all the many Quite likely, yeah, yeah, around the world. Most of what we make, we export, 70-80%, and 70% of our customers are, are researchers. Well, I can see something that's probably a moisture sensor over, over there, and it doesn't look anything like the sort of thing I buy in the garden centre. No, these are, these are specialised instrumentations at research grade. The, the, the products you can buy in garden centres are very different, very low quality and low accuracy. Okay, so what are the design criteria for a device like that? Well, for one thing, it needs to measure soil moisture accurately. And the principle that we use, in common with uh, many other manufacturers in the world, is a, a frequency domain sensor. And that's meaning that the sensor generates a, a 100 megahertz electromagnetic signal, which goes through the metal rods. So this sensor is a sealed plastic box, so you can bury it. Uh, there are two metal pins sticking out yes. of the base. The whole thing can be buried in the soil or just the metal pins pushed into the soil. The electromagnetic radiation from the pins responds to the permittivity of the soil. The permittivity is just a characteristic property of the soil. So the more water in the soil, the bigger effect on the, on the magnetic radiation going back into the, uh, the sensor. Okay, so somebody's walking around, they draw... For this, it's targeted mainly at horticulture. So it's part of the private industry that we're, we're uh, becoming more and more involved in. There's a greater and greater need for growing around the world using less water. Okay. So if you can measure how much water is in your substrate, you can start to control irrigation and reduce how much water you're using. A grower can just test the substrate just after irrigation... Mm-hmm. and use this as one of the baselines and then they can use that to decide how far from that optimal value they want to stray before they irrigate again and quite often they can find that they can reduce how many irrigation events they, they use which each one is saving water, it's saving fuel, it's saving fertiliser, it's saving waste Okay. Do you have other bits and pieces? Yes, yeah, well, just for soil moisture, we have several soil moisture sensors. This this one is just our newest one. We do a profiling probe, well, which, which yeah. uses the same principle. Uh, instead of two metal pins, we have two metal rings located down the length of the probe. So this looks like a great long walking stick. Almost. It is, it is. This is the short one. We have a, a probe that's one metre long. So we have the handle at the top, which has some of the electronics in it. 
And then down the length of the probe, there are pairs of metal rings, yep. and each one of those is a sensing element. So this one has four sensing elements down to 40 centimetres, and the longer one uh, measured down to one metre. Okay. So the way this works is we bury a plastic tube into the soil, and we can have many, many plastic tubes across a plot. And each tube, then, you can insert the probe into it. That's the noise of the probe going in. And you can attach this to a data logger and record uh, measurements over time. Or you can use a handheld reader to get instant measurements. And then you can then visit each access tube across your plot and get very quick measurements at different depths into the soil. This way you can, this can be done for research, for hydrology, to test the, uh, the, the water content of the soil in a floodplain, for instance, to decide whether or not you're going to have a bad event. Or in agriculture, you can be testing for water in the soil at the root zone and below the, below the root zone. And of course, water below the root zone is wasted irrigation. So again, you can use this to modify your irrigation practice. Okay. Is there any particular kind of crop that crops up again and again? Mainly, quite often potatoes in the UK use sensors. It's an expensive probe, so where people are most interested in technology, full stop, is uh, where there is a higher value to the crop. So soft fruits in large glass houses, they are very high value crops that people who invest in the glass houses, in irrigation system, in substrates, so they want to get the most out of each hectare of glass house. Controlling irrigation and limiting fertiliser costs is obviously a financial bonus for them. Now, you've mentioned the word data logger, so hmm. what, give us a quick... OK, well, I've got a data logger here. This is our compact data logger. You connect sensors and you program the logger to configure the logger with what sensors it has. It's quite open to take any resistance or voltage sensors that you can attach. The, the difference with our compact data logger is that we have an onboard relay which you can program with mm -hmm. the software and that relay can then be used to turn on or turn off a different process typically for this logger it's irrigation so we can with this data logger measure soil moisture uh, measure soil uh, salinity temperature humidity light levels use all those measurements if we want to to control the, the relay and that then can turn on or turn off the water okay and with this technology, we've been able to prove about a 60% reduction in water use, which is a huge amount of saving of water. Oh, you've got something else. So what's this? Yeah, this is our star product at the moment. Uh, it's our sunshine paranometer called the SPN1. And it's used for measuring solar radiation, but has a few extra features and extra measurements over and above the typical paranometer. So what is a, you better go back to what a paranometer is. Oh, a paranometer is, is a sensing device for measuring solar radiation, typically in, in watts per meter. The design of this is so that as well as measuring just the, the total radiation coming mm -hmm. onto the sensor, the design allows us to measure the level of diffuse radiation. And diffuse solar radiation is the light which is scattered on a cloudy day or through clouds or through aerosols or water molecules in the air. It's a scattered light. So on a cloudy day, diffuse radiation dominates. On a blue sky day, you'll see lots of direct radiation. And with this device, we can measure that scattered light. Okay. Within the sensor, we have seven individual sensing elements, thermopile sensors. 
um, beneath the shadow mask. And the, the design of the shadow mask, I don't know if you can see that through the glass dome, mm-hmm. uh, means that one of the seven is always in direct sun and one of the seven is always in shade. And that way we can we can measure the diffuse radiation and then calculate the direct. So this is the unique feature of the, the sensor. This SPN1 is a single unit which doesn't have any moving parts. You put it anywhere in the world and you can then measure total and diffuse. Who might I be? Well, diffuse radiation is important for things like pollution studies because as the amount of aerosols in the air and carbon in the atmosphere increases, so too then does the diffuse radiation. So there are quite a number of projects around the world looking at diffuse radiation. An easy system for measuring it that you can leave in remote locations because there's no adjusting mechanisms needed is a, is a, is a great thing to have. So that's one of the research applications. But the biggest market we have for the SPN1 is for solar radiation power generation, so photovoltaic or solar concentrators. And this industry, they need to be able to measure the efficiency of the installations. These could be huge multi-million pound facilities. So they want to measure what's going on and they want to measure how well things are working. Having a sensor that can give them the direct radiation at that site at that time allows them to start calculating the efficiency of their installation. How have recent changes affected the sorts of interest that people have in devices such as these? Well, in the last five years or so, the main topic for research has been climate change. Okay. And that encompasses everything from needing to measure the soil moisture through to measuring crop response to different changes in climate or future possible changes in climate. And as a response to climate change, there are lots of research projects looking at uh, developing crop varieties that might be more drought tolerant. And as soon as people start to breed or design new crops, they need to field test them under drought conditions. So being able to impose a drought or measure soil moisture in a drought-affected field, even artificially induced, uh, they need some sensors and measurement systems to be able to run those experiments. Could you run through the kinds of customers that have come here? In the UK, we have the typical research institutes, a crop research, environmental research, people like uh, ecology, hydrology institutes. An unusual type of application is the heritage companies, consultants. So we've had a few sensors being used for measuring moisture in in, uh, walls of ancient buildings and underneath Roman ruins because, of course, if you have a a Roman paving and the ground underneath starts to become dry or wet or starts to change, you need to monitor that because very quickly that that Roman ruin will become worse. That's excellent. Thank you, Tony. That was great, Roger. Could you explain explain that bit again about soil moisture and permittivity? Yeah, um, I'd hoped you wouldn't ask. Um, Science seems to struggle to explain permittivity. So a soil moisture probe sends a signal into the soil and water in the soil more or less allows the signal to create an electric field. I see. So the fields generated by the signal is stronger depending on how much water there is in the soil. Okay. Also, I'm trying to picture that solar energy meter thing. What did it look like? Uh, Well, you're talking about the device that measures direct and indirect sunshine. 
It's a clear dome. It's about the size of half a grape grapefruit. It's got windows that face in all directions, so it can measure the sun wherever it happens to be. It's called, by the way, a pyranometer, which comes from a Greek word meaning fire. So I, I, mu I must put a link to the website so you can see it. I see. That's pyranometer, not pyrometer, which is another thing that measures temperature. I have to ask one more question. What, what, what are they, why is it called Delta T? Well, Delta stands for change and T stands for temperature, hence the name Delta T. The firm is close to Newmarket and it goes back to the days when they invented a better way to measure racehorse respiration. And the way they did this was to put a temperature probe near the horse's nose and they used the kind of ups and downs of temperature through the horse's nose to show a horse's breathing rate. And 40 years ago, you can imagine that was pretty clever stuff. Right, so... So it's temperature changing as the horse breathes because as he breathes in, he's getting colder in, and as he breathes out, you've got the warm air from the lungs going yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Nicola Terry. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. <laughs>